chapter of the book of Genesis, I am very excited to preach to you this morning from this chapter, especially in this season that we're in uh, as an economy in this area. You know, we had this huge boom in the oil field and then the oil field started slowing down some. So you might call it uh, an economic slowdown of, of some proportion. Amen. But what do you do? What decisions do you make in times of famine or in times of economic slowdown? The Bible has answers to those kinds of things. So we're going to be preaching to you a very, very awesome chapter. It's, it's one of my favorite chapters in the book of Genesis to preach from. Uh, and it does deal with the time of famine or what we would call maybe economic slowdown. So you're going to learn a lot, praise the Lord. And if you apply it, you'll be successful. Look at your neighbor and say, if you apply it, you will be successful. How many want to be successful? A lot of people think that when there's an economic slowdown or whatever, uh, that everybody has to be affected by that. But that's not true because we're part of the kingdom of God. And I do understand there's going to be ripple effects that come from these type of things. But if you're in the kingdom of God, God has a different economic programming system than the system of the world. Amen. You might have to make a change here and a transition here and there, make some changes, you know, as to what you're doing. But God is still in control and uh, He has an economic program that beats everything, everybody's. So we're going to see what the Word of the Lord says. And that's not going to be just the focus, the only focus of the chapter, but you are going to be blessed because some of you are really worried about the economic slowdown. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So in uh, Genesis chapter 26, in verse 24, the Bible said, The Lord appeared unto, the, unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Look at your name and say, Fear not. Fear not. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you right now for your awesome presence in this house. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Amen. Well, in economic times, slowdowns, you know, you have different seasons uh, as far as the world is concerned, but God is faithful. And I thank God I know Him. I'm in His kingdom. Amen. Uh, just thinking about this yesterday. You know, we're in an economic slowdown, but our church is being upgraded. You know, we're being upgraded in the back, the floors. We're being going to be upgraded in the sanctuary with chairs. We're going to be upgraded in a lot of different areas, painting and so on and so forth. And your lives on an individual basis are, are blessed. And I can see that, uh, praise the Lord, in your life, even in economic slowdown. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise because He's worthy of it. Amen. It's a privilege and an honor to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, chapter 26, verse 1. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, 
Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. I will perform the earth which I swear unto Abraham thy father. I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandment, my statutes, and my law. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the scripture gives us the background here that there is a famine in the land, an economic, even worse than an economic slowdown. It is a full force famine. Uh, the Bible tells us that at that time, uh, it is not the only famine. Remember, in the days of Abraham, there was a famine. And what did Abraham do in a time of famine? He went to Egypt for help. You remember that? He went to Egypt for help. Uh, so the Bible tells us now we have another famine that comes. And so Isaac is going to be tempted the same way his father was. Okay? Do you understand that? In fact, this chapter, we're going to see Isaac do some things that his father did. Okay? When the same scenario came up, a time of famine, so on and so forth, Isaac is going to be tempted to do the same thing his daddy did, and that is to go to Egypt for help. You with me? Okay. Now, what this teaches you and I is this, is that everyone in this church will be tempted the same way your mother and your father was tempted. Okay, do you understand that? Alright? Temptations that your mother and your father were faced with, you will be faced with them again. You with me here? Okay. Real quick testimony here. Um, my mother was in Ruidosa, New Mexico when she was carrying me in her womb. That's a long time ago. And she thought she was going to miscarry me. And so she went to the local hospital there, and obviously she didn't miscarry me. But when I was born, I was born premature. I weighed about five pounds, three and a half ounces. Pretty small baby, you know. Um, quick testimony, I survived. I'm here today, praise God. But when Christina was carrying Jeremiah, we were in the same place, Rio Doso, New Mexico, and she thought she was miscarrying Jeremiah. So we went to the same hospital that my mother had gone to when she was carrying me, thinking she was going to miscarry. And uh, so we went to the hospital, and obviously Christina did not miscarry. But the point being is this. Same place, okay? Same hospital, same circumstances. I, when I was born, I weighed five pounds, three and a half ounces. When Jeremiah was born, he weighed over ten pounds. About 10 pounds, 5 ounces, I remember correctly. So what the enemy, see, the enemy planned on, he tried to kill me, okay? He tried to destroy me. He didn't succeed. He tried to destroy my son. He didn't succeed. And God made Jeremiah twice as big as I was when I was born. You understand that? Okay. Same circumstances. So whenever Isaac is faced 
same circumstances his father Abraham was faced with, Abraham went down to Egypt for help. My point being is this, is that there are cycles that come, and you think it's just accident or just bad luck or luck or whatever you call it, but it's not. There's a spiritual uh, kingdom that's involved, okay? The providence of God is involved with things, so on and so forth, okay? So what we have here is a cycle that's taken place where a famine in the days of Abraham, Abraham responded to that by going to Egypt for help. Now we see Isaac in a time of famine. He's going to be tempted the same way. But when we look at it, the Bible says in verse 2, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. So this is interesting. Because whenever Isaac is going to be faced to go to Egypt or to go to the world for help in a time of trouble, because he's in tune with God, listen to me carefully, because he's in tune with God and he's able to hear God's Word, he doesn't make the same mistake. See? So get ready. The same temptations that came to your mother and your father are going to come to you, every one of you. What's going to make the difference in the outcome is that are you in tune with God? Can you hear the word of the Lord when you are faced with that trial or with that temptation? See, uh, Isaac was in a place of communion with God and we had seen this before. He would go out into the field and he would fellowship with God whenever, remember, Rebecca came to him. He was out in the field. He was in a place of fellowship with God. So whenever he got tempted or got tested, he did not fail because he was in tune with God. Amen? And he was able to hear the word of the Lord. The Bible says um, there's power in the word of the king. And so whenever we find ourselves in certain situations in, in life, like economic slowdowns or times of famine, whatever, you will be tempted to make decisions. You'll be tempted to move here or to move there, make geographical relocations. I told somebody, no, this was years ago, a young woman, uh, I was teaching her and her husband a Bible study, and uh, they came into a time of, of economic slowdown, and so what was their decision? There was the, their decision was to make a geographical relocation. I told that young woman, I said, I do not believe that's the will of God for you. I said, you don't need a geographical relocation. You need a spiritual relocation. I said, if you will get where you need to be in God, God will take care of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, later on, I got a call back from her, and she, she admitted that that was a mistake. Are you with me here today? So what I'm trying to tell you is this, that when times of uh, difficulty come to your life, famines or slowdowns that come in your life, you will be tempted to make geographical relocations. But if you will refuse to give in to that temptation, unless God is telling you to do that, now God may tell you to do that, but if God is not telling you to do that, do not make a geographical relocation. Make a spiritual relocation. Find out what God's will is in your life. Amen? Because if you can hear from God, 
It doesn't matter what the economy is like. It doesn't matter if it's a time of famine or economic slowdown. It does not matter what it's like as long as you are in tune with the Lord and you can hear from God. And God gives you a word. There is power in the word of the King. The Bible says that we do warfare by the word of God. We do conflict with the word of God. And when you get a word from the King, there is power in that. Amen? So what we see here is that when the same kind of test and trial came to Isaac that came to his father, because he was in tune with God, he did not go down, say down, to Egypt. See, if you go down, if you go to Egypt, you're going down because that's, you're going to the world for help. That's what Egypt's a picture and a type of. Egypt is a picture and a type of the world. So if you go down to Egypt or you go to the world for help in those times, you're not going up. You're literally going geographically down. Amen. And a lot of people today, even people in the church, when they start going through things in their life, they go to the, to the world. They get direction from relatives that don't even know anything about God. Do you understand what I'm telling you? They seek out advice and counsel from people that don't have a relationship with God. What are we doing? If you know God Himself, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who's in control of all finances and control of all economies, we shouldn't be going down to Egypt for help unless God tells you to. The point being is if you're in tune with God, you're not going to make the same mistakes that Mama made. Hallelujah. Listen to me. I don't want my children to make the same mistakes that I made. I want them to, to make you know, good decisions. If I've made good decisions in my life, I want them to follow in those footsteps. But I don't want them to make the bad decisions. I don't want them to fail. I want them to succeed, praise God. Are you all with me here today? I want them to be able to pay their bills and be responsible and be on time with their bills and, and, and not be negligent and, and always getting notices from everybody. Hey, you're late. Are you hearing the Word of God today? Praise God. Amen. And if you will listen to the Word of God, if you'll listen to God talk to you and, and you'll be in tune with God, when you start going through trials and tests, see, some of you don't even like what I'm saying. And that's why, I'm just going to tell you, I love you, but that's why you are in the mess that you're in. Because you won't listen to nobody. You got it all figured out yourself and you are so full of yourself. You won't listen to nobody. And that's why you're in trouble. You need to start listening to the Word of God. And if you will... I'm telling you right now, I'm talking to somebody, somebody, and the title of this message is going to be Decisions in Economic Slowdowns or Decisions in the Time of Famine. There's a young man that's sitting in this church right now. If you don't hear this message and you don't make a decision based on what the Word of God is saying to you today and you go back out in that world and you try to do it on your own, you are going to fail big time. But if you will hear the Word of God and get rid of your pride, get rid of your machoism, God can turn your life around and God can help you. 
you got to get to a place where you're going to hear from God. you made decisions long enough and your decisions have taken you down the path of destruction. It's taking you down to the path, the path of bankruptcy. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? God doesn't want his people to be bankrupt. God doesn't want you to fail. God wants you to be victorious. God wants you to be successful in life. Even in a time of famine. And so when those temptations and those trials come to us in those difficult times, because listen to me, you can be in the land, you can be in obedience to God, and even when you're in obedience to God, trials still come. Isaac was in the right place when the famine came. The famine came when he was in the land of what? Promise. So the famine and the trial came when he was in obedience. Don't think that uh, only tests and trials are going to come to you when you're out of God's will. Sometimes when you're in God's will and you're obeying God to the best of your ability, that's when the test and the trial is going to come. And it's going to really, it, it can knock you off your feet because you're not expecting it. Because you're in the right place. You're obeying God. You're living for Him. But all of a sudden the trials start coming your way. And you'll be tempted to give up, quit God, quit the church and go to the world. Don't do that because test and trial comes to even those who are obedient to God. Isaac is in the right place. He's in obedience to God. But the test and the trials are coming to him even in that location. But when they came because he could hear God, he could hear the Word of God coming to him. He was in tune with God. That means he was a man of prayer. Look at your neighbor and say, he was a man of prayer. He fellowshiped with God. He talked with God. He knew the voice of God. And when God appeared to him and the voice of God came to him, he knew that was God talking to him because he fellowshiped with God on a daily basis. So when that test comes, you know, he didn't fail the first time. He didn't go down to Egypt. The Bible tells us what the Lord says to him. He says in verse 2, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. If he hadn't got that word from God, he'd have done the same thing his daddy did, and he would have gone down to Egypt. How many decisions that we make in life, we made them on our own. What if we'd have just listened to God? What if we'd have just been in tune with God and we'd have been in prayer and we'd have been in fellowship with God? How that would have changed the outcome of what we're in maybe right now. Hallelujah. It would have kept us from getting down into Egypt. It would have, it would have kept us from failing. Hallelujah. If we had just listened to God. See, a lot of times we want to point the finger at everything else. Well, it wasn't successful because of this. Foolishness. It wasn't successful because you weren't listening to God. You weren't doing what God told you to do. Give God the praise in the house right now. But if you will listen to God and you will obey His Word, it will keep you from going down into Egypt. And so God tells him, He said, uh, God says, go not down to Egypt. He said, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. And the word dwell means a, a permanent dwelling. He's not talking about going down to Philistine country and making that his permanent residence. He's talking about the land of Canaan. He's talking about the promised land. When he says dwell there, he's talking about that promised land. But then he uses another word, verse 3, sojourn. And he says sojourn in this land. That means a temporary place. 
See, he's going to tell Isaac, you can go to Philistine territory and you can sojourn there. You can be a visitor there. You can stay there temporarily. But as far as your dwelling place, it needs to be a particular place that I tell you. That's the promised land. Do you see the difference? So he was to dwell in the promised land, but he could be a sojourner or a stranger, a pilgrim passing through in uh, Philistine territory. Do you see that? Now, will he obey God in this? Well, if we look at verse... Uh, keep reading. The Bible says in verse 3, he said he could sojourn in this land and, he, and then promises come in the midst of those trials. Okay? Alright, so he's got the Word of God. He's in tune with God. God said, don't go down to Egypt. He said, you can dwell where I show you. That's the promised land. But you can sojourn in this land. That means temporary residence. Okay, so we know the will of God, right? And in the midst of this trial, here comes God. He says, I'm just going to bless you. He starts giving him promise after promise after promise in the midst of the trial. Are you hearing me today? See, God's not just going to tell him what not to do. He's going to tell him step by step. You're going to dwell here, but you're going to sojourn here. You with me here? And as long as you keep listening to God, as long as you're in tune with God, and you're obeying that voice, promises, He said, I'm going to promise you in the midst of trials. I'm going to promise you in the midst of this famine. Hallelujah. I'm going to bless you. Now, listen to me. Some of this doesn't mean a lot to you, but when you start having hard times, this is the tape you're going to get. See, if everything is going pretty good for you right now economically, you don't even want to hear what I'm saying today. But when you start having hard times, this is the tape you're going to get. Because you're going to know, you're going to need to make decisions in a time of famine. You're going to need to make decisions in a time of economic slowdown. And God has laid it right out there for you in His Word. I mean, certain places you're not going to dwell at. You're going to move here, and you're only going to be temporarily there. Are y'all with me here? And then He says, in the midst of all of this trial, He said, I'm going to promise you, I'm going to just... The promises of God in the midst of trial. Does that make sense? To help you get through that time. So he says this, look at it. He said, I will be with thee, the presence of God. I will bless thee. Look at this. Bless thee. You're going to be successful. For unto thee and to thy seed will I give all these countries. I will perform the earth, the oath which I swear unto Abraham, thy father. He's a, he's a God that keeps his promise. I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give it unto thy seed, all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And Galatians 3 lets us know that's Jesus Christ. He promised him the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, in his lineage. Verse 5, why? Because Abraham obeyed my voice. And he kept my charge. My commandments, my statutes, my laws. You see, that blessing comes when you obey the Word of the Lord. If you want to be blessed in your life, you have to have an obedient life. You have to be in tune with God so you don't make the same mistakes. And when God tells you what to do, you obey that. And you look for the promises of God in a time of famine. Praise the Lord. But your blessing is connected to your obedience. Now notice. The Bible says in verse 6, 
and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. That's Philistine territory. You with me here? And verse 8 says, It came to pass when he had been there a long time. Uh-oh. See, now he's no longer in tune with God. See, God told him, to don't, don't go down to Egypt. He was in tune with God. He didn't go down to Egypt like his daddy did. But God told him to only be a sojourner. That means only dwell in Gerar temporarily. But what did Isaac do? He stayed a long time. See, now he's out of fellowship with God. He's no longer in tune with God. And it's going to get him in trouble. Because God said, you're only to be here temporarily. But the Bible says that Isaac... What did he do? He stayed there a long time. And as a result of that, the Bible tells us. So he's out of fellowship with God now. As long as he was in tune with God, he didn't make the same mistakes. But now, because he's no longer in tune with God, that means he's out of fellowship. He's disobeying the Word of the Lord. Now, he's dwelling there a long time. And you're going to notice something very important. In Gerar, or Philistine territory, he doesn't build any altars. There's no altars mentioned of being built in Gerar. He's out of fellowship with God. He's not in tune with God. He's staying in a place too long. God told him, don't stay here long. This is only a temporary thing. Let me tell you what will get you in trouble. Obviously, not being in tune with God, but disobeying the Lord when He tells you to be in a place temporarily and you stay there. My mentor told me a long time ago, Brother Dice told me this. He said, you can stay in a place too long. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. You can stay in a place too long. See, a lot of times God will allow people to go to certain places and He only meant them to go there temporarily for a short period of time. But they camp down and they stay too long. And they get out of God's will. And as a result of that, all kinds of troubles start taking place. See, he was successful as long as he was in tune with God. He was successful as long as he was obeying the voice of the Lord. But as soon as he camped down in that place that God said, it's only a temporary place, and he disobeyed the word of the Lord, and he's no longer in tune with God, he falls under the temptation and fails. He fails. He stays there too long. Are y'all hearing this word today? Give God praise if you are. So the Bible tells us in verse 7 as a result of that, him staying there in this very this lengthy time, the same temptation that his daddy faced in the same scenario in the time of famine, the temptation was that the men of that area were going to try to take his wife. And that's the very thing that Abraham was faced with when he went down to Egypt was the men in that area would want his wife. So now Isaac is faced with the same thing. How is he going to respond? Is he going to respond the same way his daddy did and lie and say that his wife was not his wife but it's his sister? We're going to find out. The Bible tells us because he's not in tune with God like he was at the beginning, he fails the same way his daddy fell. Like father, like son. You understand? So the Bible tells us, as he's dwelling in a long time, in verse 7, it says, And the men of the place asked him of his wife. He said, She is my sister. That's what his daddy did. His daddy lied. 
for he feared to say she is my wife lest said he the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca because she was scared to look upon me it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech the king of the Philistines looked out of the window and saw and behold Isaac was sporting with Rebecca his wife so we see he fell just like his daddy did because he was out of fellowship with God he was not in tune with God at this point he wasn't doing what God told him to do and so he has to lie about his wife Rebecca because he's afraid that they're going to kill him that's what the scripture says same thing his daddy faced you with me here today how many of y'all want to break those generational curses? <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb. I want, I'm going to tell you, so I don't have time to tell you uh, about a lot of my background, but I definitely don't want to walk in the footsteps of my daddy. You hear what I'm saying? My daddy abandoned us, my mother and, my, uh, and me, uh, when I was about three years of age. Are y'all with me here? I don't want to get into all that glory teaser, but I'm going to tell you something. That if you are not careful... The same things, I'm saying this, the same temptations and trials that your daddy and your mother faced, you're going to face them. And you're going to fail just like they failed unless you're in tune with God and walking with God. And you've got to break those generational tendencies and generational curses and the attitude that your daddy had and the attitude that your mama had and the decisions he made. You can't make them. Is anybody hearing the word of God? He's starting to fall into the footsteps of his daddy. He's making the same mistakes his daddy made because he's not in fellowship with God. He's not walking with God the way he should be walking with God. And so he's doing the same things his daddy did, making the same mistakes. Hallelujah. Now, where are you going to find it? We'll go read Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 20 and you'll see what I'm talking about in the life of Abraham. Now watch. But here we see something. We see the providence of God at work. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. I'm going to break through your idle mind with the Word of God. I'm coming after you today by the Holy Ghost and power. I'm not going to let your mind go turn, uh, you know, go into this neutral mode. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm engaging you in the name of Jesus. I'm engaging your mind. I'm engaging your thoughts right now. I'm engaging your heart right now. Wake up, shake up, and hear the Word of God. God's got a word for us today. But we have to make the right decisions in the time of difficulties. We have to make the right decisions in the time of economic slowdown. And any time in your life, you need God. But notice the providence of God. Because the Bible says, you know, uh, Isaac had said Rebecca was his sister, but he's over here flirting with her. The Bible says he's sporting with her. He's probably caressing her, maybe holding her. You know, the word sport can mean a lot of different things. He's out in public, maybe he's kissing her on the lips. If that's your sister, you don't kiss your sister on the lips. If that's your sister, you're not going to do much, you know, romantic caressing in public. That You're probably not going to be petting on your sister. If you are, there's something wrong with you. And Abimelech, the ruler of the Philistines, just happened to look out the window. At that very moment that Isaac is sporting with his wife. Flirting with his wife. The providence of God. Some people will say, that's bad luck. 
had nothing to do with luck at all. It wasn't, it's not bad luck or good luck. It was the providence of God. And the providence of God is a good thing. That means God is in control of everything. All, all the events around you that's happening, hallelujah, with people, so on and so forth. The providence of God, God is in control. And the providence of God is a good thing if you're in His will. You want the providence of God if you're in His will. Because the providence of God at work, God being in control, He's going to set up this situation and this situation. You're going to come in contact with this person or that person. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't good luck or bad luck. It had nothing to do with it. God was in complete control of it because you were in the will of God. He set it all up, praise God, to bless your life. So if you're in the will of God, the providence of God is a good thing. But if you're out of the will of God, you're not going to like the providence of God. But the providence of God is still going to be at work even if you're out of His will. Woo! So when Abimelech looks out the window by the providence of God and sees Isaac sporting with his wife, the lie is uncovered. Wasn't bad luck. God set it up. You hear what I'm saying to you? Praise God today. How many of y'all love Jesus? As long as you're walking with God, His providence will pave the way for you for many, many encounters and many things in your life that will bless your life. But as soon as you step out of His will, the providence of God, you're going to meet the wrong people. You're getting involved in the wrong situation. You hear what I'm saying today? Instead of blessing your life, the providence of God is going to create problems for you. And you're going to say, this is bad luck. Nothing ever goes right for me. Why is this always happening to me and not anybody else? Just me, just me, nobody else. Because you're not in the will of God. And when you're not in the will of God, God is going to be working against you. God is going to be against you. His providence is going to be against you. Encounters are going to be against you. People are going to be against you. Situations are going to be against you. Are you with me here today? And you say, just bad luck. not bad luck. It's God saying, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to turn you around. You're going the wrong direction. Isaac, you lied. And because you lied, I've got to get a confession out of you. You lied. Now you need to make it right. And the providences of God is going to make sure you make it right. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's no accident where I am today. If I'm blessed, it's not an accident. If I'm cursed, it's not an accident. If good things are happening to me, it's not an accident. If bad things are happening to me, it's not an accident. God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get my attention. Even to the saints of God. This is a saint of God. God knows how to get my attention. If He can't get my attention by blessing me and by His providence, you know, being His will, He can't get my attention that way. If I get out of His will and out of fellowship with God and I start lying, hallelujah. God knows how to get my attention. He knows how to get you on your knees. Hallelujah. How many of y'all believe that? If you don't, you're going to find out. I promise you, you're going to find out. You don't want God being against you. I, look, I don't want God against me. I want God to be for me. I don't want God to be against me. But if you get out of His will, His providence will be against you. 
Because he's trying to turn you around. He's trying to bring you to repentance. How many of you want to stay in the will of God? How many know if you don't stay in the will of God, bad things are coming your way? And you might call it bad luck. You know, somebody say bad luck, good luck. And somebody had said no luck at all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But you get out of the will of God and you can count on it. If you're a saint, you can count on it. God's going to spank your seat. I said God's going to spank your seat. And you're going to try so hard to make it happen. You're going to try so hard to be successful. But nothing is going to be successful. One failure after another. One door closing on you after another. Give God some praise. And it wasn't good luck, bad luck, no luck. It was God Himself in control of your situation because you're out of the will of God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And a lot of times when you see people that you know, loved ones, family members, friends, going through difficult times and you know they're out of the will of God, you want to be tempted to jump in the middle of it and bail them out. Do not bail them out. Because God, by His providence, is at work. Not just upon the believer, but upon those who are out of His will. God is in control. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pray. I want God to be for me. How many of you want God to be for you? I wish I had the other part of the church. Maybe I'll dismiss y'all. Y'all go back in the back and let the rest of them come out here. No, not really. I'm just kidding. Maybe I'll be on fire. Y'all out of here just looking at me. Amen. How many of y'all believe what I'm saying to you? How many of y'all want God to be against you? How many of you want God to send an angel your way and, and you, make, you make a decision... And you don't realize it, but you were influenced by the Spirit of God or the angel of the Lord to make a, a decision that's going to lead you down a situation of hardship. You and I do not realize how much we need God. We need God, especially in difficult times. We need His Word. There's power. The power of the King is, is His Word. We need His Word. We need to be obeying His Word. We can't just come and sit and listen to the Word. We have to hear it and apply it and live it and do something with it. And if we start lying and trying to manipulate our way through life to get what we want, I'm going to tell you, if you try to cover up what you're about, God is going to make sure it doesn't work for you. Because He doesn't want you to be destroyed. If it works for you without God, you'll be destroyed. So thank God. Praise Him for the bad times. Praise Him for the good times. Because if they can put you in His will, that's what it was all about. And God in His providence can even use the bad times to get you back where you need to be. I love Him today. Give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. How many be honest enough with this pastor today to say, Pastor, if I hadn't gone through what I've gone through, I probably wouldn't even be in church this morning. Is there anybody here that would say amen to that? Said, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of living this way. And so the reason, the reason why many of you are here today is because you got tired of living the way you've been living for so long. I'm here to tell you, you're in the right place. God wants to turn it around for you. God can take a situation, no matter how desperate, no matter how difficult it is, He can take it and turn it around for you. Only God can do it. Where would you be today if it wasn't for God? I'm asking you, where would you be today if it wasn't for God? His providence 
He was in control about who you met when you met them, sir. Because he got a plan for your life to do great things. And you're here today because of that. Give God a hand clap of praise. You know what I'm saying. And I'm not saying only losers come to church. You know what I'm saying? God wants to save some people that are not losers in life. He wants to save some successful people in life too. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to tell you, for the most part, a lot of us wouldn't be in church today if it wasn't for the hard time God put us in. Thank you, Jesus. Because He wants to give you a life. More abundantly, He wants to bless you. He wants to take the shambles of your life. He wants to take the despair, suicidal tendencies, addictions, hallelujah, and break them and give, hallelujah, give you a victorious life. And you thought, you know, that it was just all an accident. You thought it was just all this and that. But God was in control of everything. Hallelujah. Give him praise. And so Abimelech looks out the window at just the right time by the providence of God to uncover his saints' lives. So this saint of God can no longer continue to live in this uh, place where he's out of fellowship with God out of uh, not being in tune with God. You, you see what I'm saying. So we look at it very carefully. So when Abimelech calls Isaac and he says in verse 9, Behold of a surety, she was thy wife, and how saidest thou she is my sister? Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. Abimelech said, What is this that thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lied with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now, I want you to notice something. Abimelech declares this. Do not touch this man or his wife. If you do, implication, any harm to them. You touch his wife to lay with her. You touch this man to do harm to him. If you do any of this, you die. When did that come? When did that protection come? That declaration from the king come? It was after... Isaac confessed his sin. The providence of God put him in a place where he must confess his sin. And as soon as he did, we got a command from a king, you don't touch either the woman or the man. If you do, you die. And not only that, but watch this. The blessings of God begin to flow back in this man's life. Because now he's moving back in fellowship with God. Come on, everybody, look at me. Come on. See, the enemy wants to take your mind and make you distracted. Look at your pastor when he's preaching. Hallelujah. Can I want to look in the blue, baby blues. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. But I know how the enemy works. He'll take your mind, all right? Praise the Lord. So the Bible says after he confessed his sin, we got this awesome protection that comes. In verse 12, look at this. Then Isaac sowed in the land. Say, then Isaac sowed in the land. Did you catch that? In a time of famine, the brothers got seed. Are you listening to the Word of God? In a time of famine, the brothers got seed. Now listen carefully. In a time of famine, very rarely are you ever going to find yourself completely obliterated. 
where you have nothing. Okay? Isaac still has seed, but what are you going to do with the seed? You can look at the famine, you can look at the economy, and you can say, I gotta keep it all for myself. Another decision in a time of famine. What decision do you make in a time of famine when things are getting a little tight? You can go carnal and you can say, well, I can't bring my tithes and my offerings. Or maybe if you, brought, if you were a person that brought tithe and offering, you make a decision you say, well, I can bring my tithe, but I can't bring my offering. That's not the decision that you make in a time of economic slowdown. That's not the decision that you make in a time of famine. What you do is God has given you some seed. Hallelujah. That's in your storehouse. What do you do with it? You put it in the ground and let it die. You sow it. You don't keep it. You sow it. Because if you want to harvest, you have to sow the seed. No sowing of seed and no harvest. You hear what I'm saying? If you want to be loved, sow love. If you want joy, sow love. It's not just about finances. Hallelujah. If you want change, sow change. Anybody hearing the word of God today? But you will be tempted to try to keep it all for yourself. God says, no, if you want to harvest, you got to take that seed that I have given you and you got to put it in the ground. you got to let it die. And when you sow that seed, then you will get a harvest. They say, well, pastor, I'm one of those people that don't have even time. I want to tell you something about God. If you're that person today, hallelujah. Brother, you got a dollar. No change. You got a dollar, brother? Give me some brothers that got something in the pocket. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You didn't go to work where they go to work. Brother, oh, I don't, don't change. He said, I don't have no change, Pastor. Change. You know what some people do? They take all the money out before they come to church. Anyway, we won't talk about that one. <laughs> well, you say, lest God moves on you and tells you to give it. So if God moves on you, you say, well, God, it's over in the drawer in the house. Like, yeah, well, he knew what you would do with it. He knows you better than you know yourself, man. Amen. So if you don't have any seed, you just have to be one of the kind of people that don't have any seed. You know what God will do? He is so good. He will furnish seed for you. That doesn't mean He's going to give you a full harvest because there's no harvest without sowing seed. But He will supply seed for you so you can sow it even in the time of famine. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know your situation. I don't know how much money you got in the bank. You might be a millionaire. But just in case you need something to sow, I'm going to give you a dollar. Praise the Lord. So you can sow. Hallelujah. This guy's got more money than all of us. Oh, praise the Lord. But you just got increased. There's a 20. Hallelujah. Look at this. Have you ever gone to church and you got money? 
Well, that's a unique situation. You go to church and you get money. Hallelujah. She's $21 richer right now than she was when she came. Now, the question is, what you going to do with that seed? Now, brother, this brother don't have nothing, so I'm going to give him a dollar. So I'm just telling you, you know, if you don't have anything, God is so good that he will supply seed for you to sow. Because God wants to give you a harvest when in a time of famine. But you have to have seed to have a harvest and the seed you got. You don't want to keep it for yourself. When you are in need, that's when you start sowing. Right decisions in a time of famine. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So he starts getting right with God. He confesses his sin. Now the Bible says he sows in the land in the time of famine. And the scripture says he received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. You can't outgive God. I said you can't outgive God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. When he sowed that, Brother Jared, he got a hundredfold the same year. That's not a hundred percent. You know, he didn't give 20 and get 20 back. It was a hundred times. A hundredfold is not a hundred percent. A hundredfold is a hundred times what he sowed. Somebody give the Lord a praise. So a brother would take that dollar and sow it. A hundredfold is a hundred dollars. In a time of famine. Brother Dice used to teach us this. He said, don't give on what you make. Give on what you want to make. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give God praise in this house. And some of you have put this into action. Sowing seed. You know what? Hallelujah. Pray. I'm not, a, I'm not being charismatic. I'm giving you the Word of God today. Some of you have put the Word of God into action. Have you seen abundant blessing come your way? There's some people, they're not, they're not even in the church, Brother Mark. But because they know this principle in the Word of God, they give their tithes to God and they're not even in the church. You know why? Because they want the favor of God upon their life. You hear what I just said? I'm not talking about saints in the church. I'm not about people in the world bring their tithes to God because they know this is real. A hundred times what he sowed. Make the right decisions in a time of economic slowdown. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's the time when you take the last 20 you got and you give it to God. And you watch what God did, what God will do. Praise the Lord. Give a little hand clap of praise. How I many of y'all remember that? Maybe that y'all listen to that mission. Brother Lumpkin preached a long time ago. Divine was it divine dividends or something like that, I think. Anyway, he uh, he's uh Sister Mangan's, uh, I wish Christina was here, but uh, dad, Sister Mangan's, Anthony Mangan's wife's dad, 
And uh, so he was, he was trying to do the work of God, serve God. He'd drive an old station wagon down the road, and he went to a revival. And he had a little money in his pocket, and God told him to give him the last, give him that money. And God gave, you know, so he, Brother Lumpkin, gave uh, God that money, you know, in the offering. He went to work for a car dealership, and uh, he'd never sold a car in his life. Hallelujah. The guy drove up on the lot. He opened the door. He said, don't it smell good? Kicked the tires. He got good tires. Didn't even know how to demo the car, man. It, is, it smells good, smells new, kicked the tires, wrote up a deal, walked in there and threw it on the manager's desk. Did the same thing. I mean, he sold one car after another car after another car, and he never sold a car. He'd never done that in his life, but he gave that, he preached it. He said, I gave that to God. Hallelujah. And one contract after another contract on cars, by just opening the door, said, don't it smell good? Kicking the tires. Hallelujah. You say, well, I don't have experience in that certain field. I don't know how to do that. It doesn't matter. Because if you sow, God can bless you where you are. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So he got a hundredfold, brother. Praise the Lord. But he had to get right with God. He had to confess his sin. And then he had to sow what he had in a time of famine. That's difficult to do. To sow in a time of famine. But he did it. And But look at your neighbor and say, he didn't have to wait for this one. It came the same year. The same year. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Amen. And it's not just for financial blessings and things. You know, praise God, as Sister Victoria was going through her time of trial, you know, we sowed into the kingdom of God and we trusted God to sit on the throne and bring a decision from His throne. Hallelujah. To, to help Sister Victoria. Praise God. We sowed financially for that to happen. And we weren't the only ones. There were some other brothers in the church that said, Pastor, we're with you on that. And they brought an offering and they dedicated that offering uh, for God to make a decision to turn the situation for my daughter. She made it back in, in less... Are you with me here? She made it back in less than the year. Give God praise in the house. I said, if you want something to change, you got to so change. Give God praise in this house. And you said, there you go. You saying you're buying God off? No, you're not buying God off. But He's testing your faith. And if you'll obey Him, it will release His ability to come to help you. I sow seed into the kingdom of God on the behalf of my children. I've sowed seed in the kingdom of God on the behalf of my son. We were in a revival and a prophetess was preaching. And uh, she said, if you'll sow a seed, certain amount of seed, you know, uh, pledge it or dedicate it to God on behalf of your child, you know, I just felt led of God. So we, we wrote a check real quick and put it in the offering plate, you know, on the behalf of Jeremiah, that God would protect him and keep him and all of these things. You know what I'm saying? So there's a, there's a lot of reasons to sow seed. It's not just about financial return. It's about your life. It's about your family. It's about your children. It's about your husband. It's about your wife. Come on, give God some praise because giving is a weapon that God uses against the devourer in Malachi 3 he says I will rebuke the devourer for your sake when he comes to destroy your crops I'll rebuke him for your sake if you just get right with God 
and you start doing it God's way. So even in a time of famine. Praise the Lord. Give God praise. He's worthy. But you won't have harvest if you don't sow seed. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm looking at you and I'm telling you the same thing I said earlier. You're not in the situation you're in for no reason. It's not bad luck, good luck. It's God. If you're where you are right now, you're there for a reason. If you're blessed, you're blessed for a reason. If you're cursed, you're cursed for a reason. Why don't you change it? Why don't you prove God? Why don't you let God show you what He can do? Is there any anything too hard for my God? Is there anybody like my God? Hallelujah. He's in control of everything. He knows the cattle on a thousand hills. And, and brother, our older brother Snelson, before he passed away, he said he doesn't just own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the taters in them hills. He's an old country preacher. Look at your neighbor and say he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's the Bible says that. And the taters in them hills. And if you want something to come to you, get ready. Go get your truck. Hallelujah. Say amen. amen. Now when you start getting blessed like that, praise God. The Bible said the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. You look at Abraham's life and you look at Jacob's life. Isaac lived longer than both of them. Isaac lived longer than Abraham and he lived longer than Jacob. Amen. You might say that Isaac was the, an ordinary son of a great father and then he became the, uh, uh, an ordinary father to a great son. But the Bible tells me something very interesting. Even though he didn't do this as much as Abraham or Jacob did, the Bible says he became great. And then he goes on, he says he went from being great to very great. Now what's going to happen when you start getting blessed like that? When God makes you great or very great, small people are going to show up. They always do. And I have a... Did you bring a handkerchief? You bring no handkerchief either? A preacher that didn't have a handkerchief. That's me too, man. I didn't bring no handkerchief. Man. I don't know what's on that. I should have looked at this before I put it on my head. Man, you asked for a handkerchief. You better make sure who the brother's giving it to you. Thanks, man. But I promise you, whenever you start getting blessed and you start experiencing greatness in your life, get ready for people who are small people. Small people with small characters are going to get jealous of that. Jesus, help me preach. That's just the way it is. I will say it again, small people with small characters will begin to be envious or jealous of you. And that's exactly what happened in, in Isaac's life. God has blessed him with a hundredfold blessing. God has made him great and then very great. The Bible says, For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds, great store of servants and Philistines. And the what? The Philistines envied him. 
Jealousy rose up in the Philistines. Small people with small character will envy those who are successful. But really, secretly in their heart, they want it for themselves. But they don't want to put the sweat into it. They don't, are y'all with me here? They don't want to sow the seed that will bring that kind of a harvest. They don't want to walk with God on that level of commitment. But they want the same blessing that Isaac got. You get ready. I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about the people of the world. I'm talking about the church. As soon as you start putting to practice what I'm preaching to you and you start getting blessed, get ready for the people in the church who have their small-minded, small people, small-character people. They'll start envying your success. Give God praise. Jealousy. But they want what you got, but they don't want to pay the price you paid. So the Bible says the Philistines envied him. Verse 15 for all the wells. Then he goes unto wells. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father Philistine stopped them up and filled them with earth. So what did they do? They moved from envy to evil. <laughs> That's what's going to happen to people that are small in character. That don't like your success. Is they're first going to get jealous over about you and then they're going to try to do you harm. Boy it's quiet in here now. Just get ready. The Bible tells us, Jesus said that when you get blessed in life, get ready for persecutions. Persecutions are going to come if you're blessed in life. Why do people persecute successful people? Because they're small in character. So the scripture tells us they went from envy and they went to evil. They started filling this man's wells with dirt. Are you here today? The wells that his daddy dug, his servants, the servants of Abraham had dug. They're filling them. The Philistines fill up the wells with dirt. Look at your neighbor and say, Philistines fill wells up with dirt. Because they're jealous. I mean, they'll, 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 they'll talk about you. They'll come up with all kinds of dirt about you. They'll just speak dirt about you. You are dirt to them. Cup of dirt, no bucket of dirt. You just dirt, hallelujah. They're going to let you have it, hallelujah. Give God praise in the house. If you have something, know something, or ever do anything, get ready for enemies, get ready for opposition. If you don't have anything, know anything, or you never do anything, you're not going to have any enemies. But the moment you have something, do something, hallelujah, you're going to have enemies. Just get ready. And you almost get to a place you said, you know what, I don't even want to be blessed anymore. Because in the blessing, all the dirt comes. There's people who have low minds. They're small people and small character. That's what they do. They are full of jealousy and they are looking to do you harm. From envy to harm. How many of y'all ever experienced that? Anybody ever in here, you started getting blessed? They didn't even pay no attention to you when you didn't have anything. They didn't pay any attention to you when you were when you were sowing, 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 living for God. Hallelujah! With everything in your life, in you, you gave, 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 gave. They weren't there. They don't know. They don't know what you did to get where you are. Hallelujah! Give God some praise in this house. But all they want to do is just 
spew dirt on you and criticize. Well, why don't you do what they did? And if you do what they did, maybe you'll get what they're getting. Stop spitting dirt on them. This man paid a price, if you understand what I'm saying, to be where he was. And so now envy, and then that, here comes the dirt as a result of that. The evil comes. So get ready. When you get blessed, the people didn't even know you were alive are going to come after you. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. I love it. I'm going to let you just think about that for a little bit. I mean, I want to think about that in this little bit. But you do, you get to a place, you say, I just don't want to know, I don't even know if I want to be blessed. I don't even want to be successful in life because I'm getting sick and tired of all the dirt, you know. But no, 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 no. You be like Isaac. You keep going. I said, you keep going. When somebody tries to put dirt in your well, you get the dirt and you clean the dirt out. And the Bible said when the enemy, when the Philistines envied him and put dirt in his well, you know what he did? He just got the dirt and threw the dirt out of the well. He didn't let their envy or their jealousy or their evil stop him. He kept going. Don't let depression get you. Don't let discouragement get you. Don't get down when people are putting dirt in your well. You take the dirt and separate the dirt from the well. It's time for separation. You gotta separate the dirt from the well. Get self out of the well. Get pride out of the well. Get all this junk that's in you out of the well. It's stopping the flow up. But you don't stop. You don't sit there and just look at look at that dirt. Look at that dirt, man. That dirt, man. That dirt, man. That dirt. No, you keep going. Look at your neighbor and help me preach. You tell him you keep going. You don't get discouraged. You don't quit. You don't let those small character people slow you down. Hallelujah! Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Clean the well out. Get the dirt out. Praise God. I'm not going to let bitterness get a hold of me. I'm not going to let pride get a hold of me. I'm not going to let that happen to me. I'm going to stay humble before God. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to keep a right spirit. I'm going to keep a right attitude. Praise God. I'm going to keep going when I want to, when I feel like quitting because of all the dirt. I'm going to clean the dirt up. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And keep my spirit right. I'm going to stay in a place where the water can flow. Hallelujah. Now, now you got to be careful because when people fill your wells with dirt, have you been blessed because they're jealous? You know, you kind of get this attitude. You ever get this attitude? Say, I'm going to go take this dirt and I'm going to put it in their front yard. <laughs> now, forget it. You're wasting your time. I said, you're wasting your time. Hallelujah. Give God praise in the house. Just clean the dirt out. Make sure the water's flowing in your life. Praise God. Don't stop. Because that's what the Philistines do. And then after that, after they go from envy to evil, you know, these actions, and putting dirt all over you, in you, try to, you, you know, keep going. And then the Bible says this, And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. Now, so I said you've got to separate 
in that time you have to separate sometimes you have there's a separation in relationships and they're necessary you understand they're necessary and you look at him, you go, whoa, whoa, that hurts so bad. And you want to stay in bed all day. Oh, the separation, that's just killing me. I had to separate from them. They separated from me. And it was a relationship. But really, let me tell you something. There will be situations that come in your life. There must be separations from people. People have to be separated from you. If you don't separate, you've got to separate the dirt. And then you've got to separate relationships sometimes. Because those people are not good for you. They will hinder God's blessing, God's purpose, God's plan for you in your life. And it's hard. But notice who took the action. Isaac didn't take the action. Abimelech did. Abimelech said, go. He's the one that initiated the separation. Abimelech separated. But that was good for Isaac. I said, that was good for Isaac. See, there's some separations in your life right now, people-wise. And you look at them, they hurt so bad. But you need to praise God every day. Because God separated you from that trouble. God separated you from that person. Give God worship. Hallelujah. It was a good thing. It hurt, but it was a good thing. So you go from envy to evil, and then you go to you get you start experiencing rejection in your life, and you think, man, this is not good. No, it is good. It's God setting you up for more blessing. That's why you have to trust God with everything, every relationship, everything, because there's there's people that'll put dirt in your well. Hallelujah! And after you clean them up, they're going to separate from you. Just praise God for it. I said, just praise God for it. There's some people that are just not good for you. I said, they're not good for you, but they're my family, Pastor. They're not good for you. But they've been a friend for a long time. They're not good for you. You give it time, you're going to see within a few years where they are and where you are if you stay where God is. Will you hear your pastor? I said, will you hear your pastor? Give God some praise in this house. I spoke to a young man years ago about a situation in his life. I, God allowed me to pinpoint a problem. I'm not going to get into details. But I told him about that problem. Hallelujah. And it was in relationship to somebody he was in a relationship with. And I pinpointed the problem. He did not understand why I said what I said. I got a call just the other day. That relationship has been severed. And he said, Brother Carter, he said, it's because of the very thing you identified years ago. You hear what your pastor's saying. See, some of you don't understand when I come to you and I say, this person's not good for you. This person, you need to stay away from them. You don't, you're trying to take away my freedom. Just shut up. Just shut up. If I've got God, God is speaking through me on some situations. And you might be wise to listen to Him. Are y'all here with me right now? Give God some praise. And some people just don't understand it because they don't see it from their perspective. They don't see reality from their perspective. It takes somebody on the outside to be able to see what's real. You give it time. You watch what I'm saying. You watch what I'm telling you. I want to stay in God's will. And there's nobody can, 
If you will do what God tells you to do, if you will separate the, get the dirt out of your life, look at your neighbor and help me preach. Tell him, get the dirt out of your life. You got too much self in you. Get self out of you. Too much self in you. Too much pride in you. Some of you got pride, and I'm not just talking to the men. There's some women in this church right now. You got so much pride in you. You got to get that dirt. Get that pride out of you. Get that self out of you. Get the world out of you. You got too much world in you. Get the world out of you. Am I talking to you? Praise the Lord. How many of you want a well? Praise God. We need some well diggers, some people, hallelujah, that already have wells, but you've got some dirt in them. You just got to get the dirt out. You don't have to redig that well. You just got to get the dirt out of it. Say amen. amen. Now the Bible says, so now we have rejection, now we have separation, not only from the dirt, but we have separation from from a relationship. The Bible says in verse 79, Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. See, he was in Gerar. Now he leaves. He goes a little bit. He goes to the border. He's still trying to be on the border, you know. Pitched his tent outside there. Don't be a borderline Christian. But notice what he does. Okay? So he, praise the Lord, Isaac goes and he, the Bible says, digs another well. All right? So you got people putting dirt in your well. Get the dirt out of your well. Praise the Lord. And if you have to make another relocation, move somewhere else, just dig another well. He's a well digger. Hallelujah. What a mighty God he we serve. God is awesome. I, he's a well digger. How many well diggers I got in here? But if somebody puts dirt in your well, okay, praise God. And you got to separate. you got to separate from them. Well, then just go dig a well somewhere else. Keep going, don't stop. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, keep going, don't stop. There's always haters in the house. There's always haters in the house. Always haters in the house. Keep going, don't stop. Dig another well. Sometimes I feel like I'm the most hated man in Odessa, Texas. I know that's not true. Hallelujah. I know one person that loves me. I can't be the most hated person in Odessa, Texas. God loves me. I don't know if I'm going to think my wife does. But God does. Amen. Don't stop. Keep digging wells. Keep sowing seed. Keep digging wells. When envy comes and evil comes and rejection comes, just go to another place. Dig another well. Praise God. God's blessing will flow in your life. Don't let small people stop you. Is this helping anybody? These are the decisions that you make in a time. The scripture tells us he digged in. Hallelujah. He digged again the, the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. He called their names after the name, names by his, which his father had called them. Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. He cleaned out those old wells. Now he's going to bring in a new well. And this well has springing water. 
Jesus said in John chapter 7, If you believe as the Scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake He of the Spirit, that they that believed on Him should receive. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost, with His Spirit. A water that is springing up into everlasting life. It's a gift you cannot earn. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. If you put your sin under the blood of Jesus and ask Him to fill you with His Spirit, He will come into you instantly. And waters will begin to flow into your parched deserts. Hallelujah. Begin to water your earth. He's digging another one. It's springing water. Give God praise. He kept going. And the Bible says, now sometimes you feel like getting burnt out. You know? You just feel like you, you ever get to a place where you don't burn out? What do you do? You sow seed and you dig wells. You pray. You seek God. You get His Word. You get His mind. You get tired. Seek God. Hallelujah. Sow seed. Amen. Dig a well. Pray. Worship. How I many you love the Lord today? See, I got to move quickly. And the Bible says in verse 20, the herdman of Gerar did. Oh, now we got strife with Isaac's herdman saying, The water's ours. So it went from envy to evil filling the wells with dirt. It went from there to separation, rejection. Now it, it's going to go into full-on battle. And the Philistines are going to show up and say, that belongs to me, liars. It doesn't belong to you. But there's going to be people, people say, that, that belongs to me. No, it doesn't belong to you. You didn't pay the price. You didn't dig the well. It doesn't belong to you. Is anybody hearing this word? Now it's coming out. Now we're finding out really what's going on. They really secretly wanted it. What you got, they wanted. Amen? So the Bible says, hey, amen. I don't, praise God, I don't have no axe to grind. How I love it. Praise God. God bless everybody. But I'm just telling you the truth. Strife. Fighting. Hallelujah. And they say, the water's ours. He called the name of the well Isaac because they strove with him. The word Isaac, the well, he says, I'm going to just call it strife. It's a well of strife because i got people fighting me. Hallelujah. The Bible said they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of that Sitna, which means hatred. you got strife and hatred here. Surrounding wells that are being done. You say, that to me. You understand? You see the progression here. Hallelujah. Now, what, what happened? The Bible says in verse 22, what does he do? He doesn't let it get to him. All the strife and all the hatred. What does he do? He moves on. Okay, he moves on. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not, and he called the name of it Rehoboth. Ooh, what does Rehoboth mean? It means enlargement. Watch what happens. The Bible says this word Rehoboth, enlargement. So he's gone from strife and hatred. Now he's going to enlargement. For now the Lord hath made room for us. We shall be fruitful in the land. God has enlarged me, said Isaac. Amen. It's spiritual. It's a well of the Spirit. 
It's a well of the Spirit. It's a well of the Lord. And the Lord is enlarging him. But he didn't let all of that other stuff <coughs> stop him. <coughs> he had to clean out a lot of dirt. He had to dig other wells. Wells that meant strife and hatred. He had to move from there to Rehoboth. Gets to a place where he's enlarged and now he's fruitful. God, by the Spirit. What's happening here? See, he's moving back into fellowship with God. Hallelujah. Now watch with this. Okay, I know you're getting tired. It's a long chapter. He went up from thence to Beersheba. What does that mean? It means the well of promise or the well of oath. Oh, now he's back with God. He's back where he needs to be in God. He's back in fellowship with God. Hallelujah. God has been blessing his life. He's been sowing. He's been reaping. And now he's actually back in a place now where God is enlarging him. Uh, and God is making room for him in these wells. He's now back in Beersheba, the well of oath. The Lord appeared to... Oh, now look at this. Now, when he gets back to that place of more intimate fellowship with God, the Lord appeared to him. You with me? The same night said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Just keep going. Keep digging wells. Keep sowing seed. Praise God. You may go from one place to another to another place and there may be strife and hatred and everything else but eventually you keep going. You keep serving God. You keep digging wells and you're going to be in a place where there's going to be blessings and hallelujah. The Lord, Spirit of God is producing enlargement in your life. And as I close, the Bible says in verse 25, He builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched His tent there. Their Isaac's servants dig a well. So now He finally builds an altar. There was no altar in Philistine territory. He's now back in fellowship with God. He's building altars. He's seeking God. He's now in the right place. He's where he should be. And God used all of that stuff that he went through to get him where he should be. Give the Lord a hand. He now builds an altar. And the Holy Ghost, I believe the Holy Ghost revealed this to me last yesterday when I was studying. To let you know when you're in the right place. You're in the right place when you're in the church. Not when, not listen to me, not when you're attending church. There's a lot of people that come and sit on the pews and attend church. The Lord says when you're in the church. When you are building altars, you are seeking God. God is appearing to you. There's a revelation of God that's taking place. You know where that is? It's when you're in the church. And in the church, you're going to find the Word of God. In the church, you're going to find, hallelujah, the glory of God. In the church, as you worship, you're going to find worship in the church. You're going to find prayer in the church. You're going to find praise in the church. You're going to find the Word of God in the church. You're going to find fellowship with God in the church. You're going to find blessings of God in the church. All these things are in the church. 
you get in the church and you're going to be in the right place. In the church. You find all these things in the church. He built an altar. And then the Bible says after this, Abimelech shows up. The one that had kicked him out. The one that had rejected him. The Bible said Abimelech went to him and he wants to enter. And I'm not going to read all the verses for the sake of time because some of y'all are getting tired. I heard that you can only listen to 30 minutes of preaching and you're done. I can't, I'm, I, I can't even read this chapter in 30 minutes. Amen, I'm just kidding. It's already lost some of y'all an hour and a half ago. But anyway, praise the Lord. So Abimelech shows back up. Hmm, we've been watching you. And since this separation took place, which we initiated, we've been watching you and we've been seeing how God is blessing your life. Woo! We want to get back in this. We want to be in fellowship with this kind of man. This kind of man, this kind of woman that has this kind of blessings of God in their life. We separated from them temporarily, but we want to, we want to get back in relationship with this kind of person. So Abimelech shows back up. Hallelujah. Get ready. Your period of time will go by. And those people that are separated from you, hallelujah. They start seeing God blessing you. You're doing real well. Hey, I want to go. Hey, how you doing? Can we be friends again? And that's what Abimelech does. He shows back and says, I want to be in fellowship with you. Can we enter into a covenant? The Bible says they sit down, they have a covenant meal, amen. And the outcome of that is that it is a peace treaty. See, the Philistines had violated the treaty that they had entered in with Abraham. The same scenario in the past. Abraham entered into covenant with Abimelech with the same circumstances. They violated the, that covenant with Abraham by plugging up wells and the envy and the strife and the fighting and the war. They broke that covenant. But now they want the covenant back. So they come to Isaac and they say, we've seen how your life is so blessed. Are you with me? Verse 27, Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come you to see me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? See, he didn't just, just, just say, Okay, hey, how's it going? Everything all right? I'm all right. You're all... No, he said, I want to hear from your voice. I want to hear. I want you to confess. See, Isaac dealt with the evil. He didn't just let Abimelech show back up. No questions asked. You understand? He said, you did this in the past. Okay? It confronted him. Isaac confronted the evil. You have to confront the evil. Alright? Praise God. You don't get anywhere. But somebody shows up that's separated, that's been separated from you in your life, you don't get anywhere with just taking them in with no questions asked. You don't get anywhere. You listen to what I'm telling you. You've got to ask some questions. Maybe not the whole story. But the Bible says in verse 27, Isaac said unto him, Wherefore come you to see me, seeing you hate me and have sent me away from you? What's up now? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. We said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee. Let us make a covenant with thee that thou shalt do us no hurt. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Said, we see the blessing of God. God's with you. We see all the blessings of God in your life. Said, we got to get in fellowship with you, a relationship with you, because you can do us some harm. Interesting. 
So we go on down. They have a big old feast. Covenant feast, covenant meal. The Bible says, are y'all with me here still? You tired? No. The Bible says in verse 31, they rose up at three times in the morning and swear one to another. And Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in what? Proverbs 16, 7. Look what the scripture says. Right decisions in a time of famine. Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs. 16 and 7. Look what it says. How many of y'all have any enemies? I'm going to give you another chance. How many of y'all have enemies? How many got more than one? How many got a hundred? Me and Fino got a hundred. Look at it. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace. Isaac is such, he's in the right place. He's so in the right place. He's so, he's so got the favor of God in his life that the enemies see the favor of God on this man's life and they say, we want peace with you. The Bible said they depart from you. What do you do about all your enemies? Just be concerned about pleasing God. When the way, when the way is, hallelujah, when the ways of a person please the Lord, He makes it His enemies to be at peace. Say praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? God's in control of everything. Just give it time. And so the scripture says, in verse 32, it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the will which they had did. He said, we have found the audit. And he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba, the well of seven, the well of old, unto this day. Amen. So things are good at this point. Isaac's back where he needs to be, fellowship with God. God's appearing to him and the enemies are even wanting to be at peace with him and all of these things it's all good in Isaac's life at this point with the exception of the moon and Esau this is Isaac's son was 40 years old that means Jacob's 40 at this time as well Esau was 40 years old when he took the wife Judah the daughter of Bera the Hittite and Bashama the daughter of Ilan the Hittite Two wives. Two wives. Go look at me. Okay? And they're Hittites, which means they're Canaanites. Which in the Old Testament is, a, is the same thing as saying a person has married somebody that was an unbeliever. See, all of these things, peace with the enemies and everything is taking place in Isaac's life. But one thing brings grief to him and his wife with that. And that is that their son takes an unbeliever. Two unbelievers. See, there's a lot of times you can have peace outside of your home. There's something inside of your home in your heart. The Bible says it grieves. Esau did this. Esau was 40 years old when he took the wife Judith, the daughter of Bered the Hittite. 
Besham of the daughter of Elam the Hittite, which were a grief of mine unto Isaac and to So even though in a time of famine you make decisions that bless your life and even cause enemies to want to be, want to be at peace with you, sometimes God's word is so true. Make the right decisions in time. But even when you do that, you exactly where God wants you to be. You can still be in absence of peace. What do you do? You keep the Lord. You keep serving God. See, you want to, you want to do this in this on a high note with, with, with a man never had any more problems. He was part of it. Something more important in life than just physical material blessings. And that is peace. Let me say this to you. Prosperity, what is prosperity? If you're in the hospital, Ravaged with sickness and disease, and you got a full bank account. A full bank account when you ravage with disease isn't prosperity. You can have all kinds of material things in your life. Your children are right. That, that, that's going to break your heart. It's going to grieve your heart. And God is the kind of God that when He writes His Bible, He doesn't just tell you all the good things and Everything he tells you, some of the hard ways that the people of God do. When you start thinking you're the only one, you need to read the Bible. Some of the great things that you and I go through on a daily basis, right there in the Bible, somebody else started reading. Amen. God totally shows us what kind of decisions to make in time of panic. Stay in tune with God. Don't make the same mistakes you're going to make. Amen. Go by the word of God. Trust God. Sow seed in a time of famine. So you can have a harvest. The providence of God is at work in your life. He's going to bring you back to the place you need to be in Him if you are. Amen. So you confess so that you can sow it, so you can be blessed. You keep digging wells. You keep worshiping God. You keep loving the Lord. You keep giving Him glory. You keep giving Him praise. People are going to fight you. They're going to be in this again. But that's all right. Don't let me stop you. Keep on. Until finally the providence of God brings you to the exact place you need to be. You know, where God is appearing in you. Enlargement's coming in your life. But don't think you're the only one that's ever experienced part of
murdered Isaac, we lose saying you have to be careful. But the most important for you and I is that we make decisions not only in the time of family but with the whole with all of our life. Our attitude toward the church. Our attitudes toward brothers and sisters. Listen to me church. Because your children are watching you. And the way you respond to the church Saints of God in that church, your children are watching. If you lose your children to the world, what do you have? You may make it back. You may make it back. You may experience the blessings of God in your life. You may experience the enemies being at peace with you. You might make it back in fellowship with God. But what about your children? Esau didn't make it back. In fact, if I study the Scripture closely, Esau never made it back. You might, but your children might not. So it's important for us to stay in fellowship with God, not have lapses where we get out of tune and out of fellowship with God. Amen? you hear me? Because my children are watching me. Hallelujah. If you've done everything you can to raise your, your children in the church and you've prayed and you've lived for God and you've lived not just for God when you come to church, but you live for God at home. And your children see you live that way. Amen? And they see you keep the unity of the Spirit. They, they see you trying to, to, to keep the unity of the Spirit in, in the church. Hallelujah. Not causing division and causing trouble all the time and talking behind people's backs, you know. They see that. And you've done everything you can. They may still go to the world. But it's not on you. But if, by watching me and watching you, they see an inconsistency of inholiness, an inconsistency, what we say at home versus what we say at church, our attitudes, that would be something very hard to live with. You can have everything in the world, but if you lose your children, what do you have? So make sure, and I need to make sure, to live it before my children. To stay in tune with God. To stay in fellowship with God. To stay where I need to be in God. Amen? Because there's no heartbreak like that kind of heartbreak. Amen. And Isaac and Rebecca experienced it. And if some of you today are experiencing it, it's in the Bible. Others did too. Praise the Lord. My, my point to you though is this. When you look back at your life, not that any of us are perfect because none of us are, but when you look at your life, 
What attitude did you sow? When you sow seed, you can sow it good or bad. You can sow an attitude that's bad. You're going to reap a bad attitude. See, we're all sowing, brothers and sisters. I love every one of you. I'm sowing. I'm sowing in my life. I'm sowing seed that's going to produce a good harvest or I'm sowing seed that's going to produce weeds. Every one of us in this church right now, you can't get away from it. What you sow, you shall reap. You sow love, you'll receive love. You sow hatred, you'll receive hatred. Amen? You sow mercy, you'll receive mercy. You sow faithfulness, you'll receive faithfulness. We're all sowing something. Amen. I don't want to lose my children. I don't want to lose my children. And they look at my life. Am I consistent? Amen. Are y'all hearing this today? How do you understand? We're all sowing seed. Life is about sowing seed. What kind of harvest? If you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. We can't get away from it. Make sure we're sowing the right seed so that our children will grow up living for the Lord, marrying people in the church, right relationships, hallelujah, not breaking our heart. And that means sometimes, church, I love you, but sometimes you're going to have to look at your children and you're going to have to say, that's not acceptable. I can't put my approval on this one. Because if you do this, you're going to destroy yourself and somebody else too. If you go along with them and it collapses, it falls to pieces and you went along with them, you sowed some seed. Okay? I love you. But how many times God has spoken to this church and warned you? Okay? Be careful about no, you letting your children run around with all their cuz. Those cousins that are in the world, you let them run. You say, no, I don't think you should be running with them. They're not in the church. They don't love God. They don't live. All right. You can be acquainted with them. You, you, you can rub shoulders with them. I'm going to tell you something. When you start hanging with them, you're going to have problems, son. You're going to have problems, daughter. You're going to have to look at your kids. You're going to have to tell them. These are relationships. These are the kind of people you don't want to run with. These are the kind of people you want to hang out with. You don't want to be around that cousin. That cousin's bad news. You know what I'm trying to say to you? As a parent, you have to make tough decisions. If you, if you don't go along with them, it's not on you. But if you go along with them, you sowed some seed. How are you going to reverse it? You're going, to, you're going to sow the seed and have a harvest and then pray for a crop failure? God, please let this, this harvest fail. Let it be a crop failure. You sowed it. And we can come to church and we can put on a good front and we can talk a good talk, but I'm going to tell you something. Judgment day is coming. 
And every one of us, every one of us is going to stand before God. And we're going to, be, we're going to give an account for the seeds we've been sowing. So good seeds for a good harvest. So bad seeds, you're going to get weeds. You sow to the wind, you're going to reap a whirlwind. God help us to continue to sow the right seed. How many want your children to live for God? How many want your children to be in heaven? That means you're going to have to make tough decisions and not let them sow. Or let other people sow into them. Just can't do it. Can't afford to. Hallelujah. I want to keep a good attitude toward God. A right attitude toward God. A right attitude toward the church. A right attitude toward the things of God. Amen? Right attitude toward brothers and sisters in the church. If you don't, your kids are going to pick it up. They're going to pick it up. How are you going to how are you going to get rid of that harvest? i tell you what you do. You're saying, Pastor, you're just telling me this, but what do I do? Here's what you do. You need to be man enough or woman enough to go to your kid and say, we've made some horrible mistakes in the past. We've sowed some horrible seed in our life. Kids, that we were wrong. And we've decided we're not going to pray for a, a crop failure. We're just going to stop sowing that kind of seed. And, and we're going to live a different way, kid. Kids, we haven't been living right. We know we haven't been living right. And we've been experiencing a certain kind of harvest. And we're just changing all that. And if you've ever heard us speak against saints in the church or people in the church or the church or, or God, or the pastor, or the word, anything, we were wrong. I'm wrong. Not be surprised what God would do for you. What God do do for your kids. Amen. Instead of always pointing the finger at everybody else and blaming everybody else for your problem. Say, you know what? We're not going down that road, son. We're not going down that road, daughter. We're not going to blame everybody else for our problems. We're going to own them. We're going to be responsible. We're going to take action to change what we need to change in our life. Amen. And if, if we don't like, if we don't like what we're getting, we've got to change. Amen. Praise the Lord. But you need to have that talk. And I'm trying to help some of you today. You can't pray for a crop failure, but you can start sowing different seed. You can start sowing different seed in those children. Amen. Jesus help us. How many of y'all love the Lord? Let's stand. Father God, we thank You right now in Your awesome name, God, for Your Word that gives us hope and encouragement, God, that no matter what we go through in life, no matter what the economic systems are, are doing and saying and what we're experiencing, that we know, God, that You're in control of everything. We trust You, Lord. Let us apply the Word of God that we've heard today in our life that we might have a blessed harvest. And Lord, just we pray, God, that if we've made decisions in the past and said things or done things that have created a harvest for us today, we choose by way of repentance to get to You, Lord, to get filled with Your Spirit, to experience the water of the well, Your Spirit, baptism in water. God, remove my sin. Remove that bad seed out of my life. As I repent of that, and as I'm washed in water in the name of Jesus, Wash all that filth, all that bad seed away, God. 
and let me begin to sow the good seed of your word in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I will tell you this. Judgment begins at the house of God. You get water baptized in Jesus' name, everything you've done, all the evil words, bad thoughts, bad things you've done in the past going to be washed away. God going to give you a fresh start, brand new start. You've already done all of that. You just need to do some repenting, repenting of some bad seed. Say, Lord, now I'm going to start sowing the right seed. I'm going to change this thing by the grace of God. I hope this has helped you. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Because God wants to bless your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.